blistering starts to a tennis match. The Shakespeare got it wrong. It wasn't King Lear. It's King Lear. LeBron James with no record for human. LeBron Singh finishes things off on style. This is a News Laundry podcast, and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello and welcome to NL Playoffs. This is round 12 of our uh, small podcast. My name is Gautam. I have with me my co-host Aniket. Aniket, say hello. Hello world. Hello everybody and a happy new year. Happy new year to you, Aniket. Today is the 5th of January. Uh, we are recording this at around noon on the 5th. Uh, Aniket, uh, welcome to India. How has the new year been? Uh, it's been, uh, well, uh, nice. I don't know how to say it. It's been a very interesting start to the new year. and i hope things get better i think it's too early to say that but i hope things get better really soon i mean i've been reading uh, uh, the news that uh, the c- cases will definitely rise in the future coming in the next 2 or 3 weeks at least in india uh, where we are in the united states there's been a surge of uh, covid cases but all experts are pointing towards the end of the pandemic even though right now the, the situation or the number of cases seem high but uh, man ma'am we've had what we are officially in year 4 of the pandemic i guess but yeah hopefully it gets past us pretty soon man yeah i mean just just be positive it's <laughs> that's why i said it's too early in the new year to start yeah, this depressing topic positive, but yeah just uh, hoping to be positive and i think do the basics correct right um, uh, the responsibility lies with us so let's do the simple things correctly and hopefully things work out and what better to be positive than to talk about sports right so like we typically do if we have any one or two deep dive topics to discuss for this week uh, but looks like we do not have any of those deep dive topics but do we do have a lot of sporting action happening so uh, i will leave it to you first aniket to talk about what we are going to cover today so i'm going to set the record straight up Uh, up on the top that uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks for me uh, i'm guessing for you to gotham uh, yes. so i've been traveling around uh, unfortunately i don't have a portable tv and uh, <laughs> none of my uh, accounts in the us actually work in india i figured it out the hard way so i'm actually lagging uh, to keep up with the sports world which at this time of the year seems to be flying by actually so there's just so many things happening yeah and i'm just trying to keep Uh, on track by uh, by the way i sh- i'm in the same boat as you i was not able to uh watch as m- as much sport as i typically do but i kept up with a few things but then we always have uh, social media and we always have the news to keep track of what's going on so uh what 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 are we going to cover first aniket so we'll start with a uh, premier league uh, football uh, which has been super busy in the last couple of days so i think they're playing almost every second day at this point yeah. and it's uh, i mean it's tiring for the viewers so i just imagine how tiring it is for the athletes who who literally you know show up and are putting 100% for 90 minutes and then you know coming back 3 days later it's very interesting cuz uh, a few folks are saying that at this point it's not about preparation anymore but it's just about recovery right so you play a game and yeah. there is no time to recover so folks are just uh, sorry there's no time to prepare uh and uh, they just you the focus is on recovery and you just come back uh two days later and put your best level and see how that goes i mean that's kind of how it seems at least from afar yeah i mean without covid itself it's just 
so packed in the schedule right uh, december has always been a busy season especially for the premier league uh, the rest of the leagues the la liga has a winter break i think the serie a does have a winter break as well but uh, the premier league is an exception to this rule they in- go the other way around and play as many games as possible december has always always been a busy time there have been all of this chatter from klopp jurgen klopp and thomas tuchel and all of them are saying look doesn't make sense to have these many games every week it just does not make sense and add to that on top of it after december there's african cup of nations going on so all of the african players are going to play the african cup of nations so it is so hard it must be so hard for the managers and the players to just plan and for the players obviously to just stay fit and play the whole 90 minutes every other day and uh, more often than not it is during this period that titles are actually won or lost like you know uh, yeah. just this compact period no matter how your form is uh, you know you you have this african cup of nations and injuries that come up and it almost always changes directions of team i famously remember arsenal being pretty close uh, to a title uh, finish and then uh, i think it switched to leicester and it was sometime around oh, yeah. this period that you know fortunes changed so it's pretty interesting with that being said let's delve in gotham and talk about uh, premier league football so there was a big game it was uh, chelsea liverpool where the second and third uh, teams in the table were actually playing against each other and it seemed that this particular game would actually decide who would actually compete with man city uh, for the title so just to give context to our listeners the currently the table is set up uh, where man city is uh, at 53 points so they're at the top of the table with 21 games played and second is uh, chelsea with 10 points uh, behind and uh, at third is liverpool at 42 so they're one point behind chelsea and what actually happened for this chelsea liverpool game was super interesting because the game ended in a 2-2 draw where the blues actually came back uh, to uh, se- secure a draw and it was a very interesting game i obviously like i said at the top i didn't catch the full game but i did see extended highlights so do you have any thoughts did you watch the game uh, so uh, i did i did watch the game uh, i i missed most of the first half but i watched the whole of the second half which means i meant i which meant that i missed out on the lot of uh, a lot of good action in the first half but uh, if you look at it from a manchester city's perspective right this is this was the ideal result they would have hoped uh, that the game would end in a draw and that liverpool and chelsea would just split points because that would mean that both of them were uh, far enough uh, behind them uh, so yeah 2-2 2-2 was an ideal uh, result for man city as far as that goes it was just a breathless first half man second half i think see things seemed to settle down quite a bit but first half was just breathless uh, liverpool were just Uh, just relentless in their pressing of course but they're just constant attacking uh, they went up 2-0 i mean i guess chelsea is a good quality side too uh, they came back and uh, evened things up just at the stroke of half time and it ended 2-2 in the half and that's how the game ended literally in the 6th or the 7th second uh, did you, i don't know if you saw this aniket uh, sadio mane had this uh, flailing elbow on Cesar Aspilicueta I don't know if it got uh, checked by VAR or not but the the referee immediately gave a yellow but on further evaluation I think it was a red but because it was so early in the game you know some things uh, happen based on circumstance right so because it was literally the first seconds of the game I think Mane got away 
Yeah, and I also don't envy the refs in such situations, right? Like it's so early in the game, it's a title deciding game. I mean, refs are supposed to be nonchalant, uh, well, not involved in the title race as per because they are neutral. But it does build a lot of pressure when games start, uh, you know, so aggressively, and there are decisions to be made so quick uh, into the time. It does have an effect more often than not on the uh, end result of the game. So. It is uh, it is tough, but it is what it is. The game did end in 2-2, which also uh, was good in some sense. I mean, uh, there was other things that came out. Like you said, Man City is now clear ahead with 10 points uh, in the lead. But what was interesting was Chelsea did enter the stadium with a lot of drama happening in their dressing room. And yes. I'm referring to the Romeo Lukaku saga for the lack of a better uh, name. Have you been uh, following that Gotham? Uh... So, yeah. So, just before the game started, uh, Lukaku gave an interview to, I think, an Italian reporter, right? Uh, I think it was Sky Sports Italia, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, it was. Uh, Yeah. So, apparently, Lukaku asked for that interview. So, he gave this interview to this uh, Sky Sports Italian reporter and said, and talked about how he was not uh, 100% satisfied with his role at the club and what came out of it was that he was not a happy camper at, in Chelsea that because he was not getting enough reps or he was not getting enough starts, right? He did also talk about how he uh, sees himself going back to Inter and how his time at Inter was really happy. And he pointed to uh, the formation being played by Tuchel, not, uh, you know, working for him and stuff like that. So it did seem like uh, he, it was an interview to basically state publicly that he was not happy and which is a little surprising and I, I've told this to you earlier I think in some of our conversations is Lukaku is a great striker right he's really good with his back against the goal and he scores yeah. he's a goal machine at least with Inter he's been and even he's done pretty well with Manchester United before that but one thing I always thought was he lacked intelligence and he showed it this time with the way he handled the situation. I thought what he did was super dumb because just to update uh, listeners to what's actually happening is that he's come out with an apology now and uh, he said that... To the fans, I'm sorry uh, for the upset that I caused. Obviously, it's up to me now to restore your trust and I'll do my best. And yeah, also, you know, to the manager, I apologize and also to my teammates and the board. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to actually, you know, think this through because the, just the way he handled it was an absolute disaster. Plus, he missed what could have been uh, the biggest match for Chelsea's season, right? It was against your direct rivals, yeah. Liverpool, and he's been led out. And there are reports that Thomas Tuchel actually discusses with the senior players in the dressing room. So, these are reports coming out. I think ESPN has uh, an article on that as well. So, uh, and the senior players were okay with him not playing. So, he's boxed himself into one of the dumbest situations you can put yourself into. And especially since he's not doing spectacularly well, right? If he's going game in, game out, scoring goals and stuff like that, it would be in a different situation. But to come out publicly and talk against your manager and your team and your teammates particularly, it's uh, it's sad. And uh, he's come out, apologized now. So things are going back. I think he's going to be playing the League Cup game again. So it's interesting that Chelsea's uh, social media handles put this out because clearly the PR department, as you said, reached out to Lukaku and was firefighting quite a bit. Uh, but I totally agree with you. There's no upside for his interview at all. What was he gaining out of it? Nothing. Typically, what players do, you see this a lot of times with uh, players like Pogba is, they don't go on the record and say it. Either his agent says it 
or there are some strategically placed leaks that come out and reports here and there or you see here all these social media murmurs but usually the player is left out of any of this but to give a record on the to give an interview on the record to a to a football reporter and says how he was dissatisfied just uh, screams of uh, immaturity to me but yeah we'll see what happens after this but anyway just moving um, just going back to the game so Uh, you never answered anike do you think mane should have been sent off or not i don't know it seemed like a rough tackle it's very easy for me to make a decision sitting on an armchair watching the replay thrice don't know how i don't know even if the referee caught it actually to be honest so yeah no he did catch it he gave a straight yellow well then i think it should, after seeing a replay i mean it should have been a red but i think with these situations the it's a job of the referee to be a uh, quote on quote as objective as possible uh, especially now with given right. the rules if you have a flailing elbow to the face that is dangerous play and you should be sent off so mane should consider himself a very lucky man i uh, know i ag- i agree with that assessment as well but then i do i try to have empathy towards ref- referees because it's a tough job and yeah. i understand why he must have given a yellow even though it's not right according to me it should have been a red the rule book says it so it's uh, it's a matter of fact statement that it should have been a red but i think it was basically to control the tempo of the game early on otherwise things can unravel really fast once these kind of situations get out of hand so that's my stand on it now that makes sense and as breathless as it was in the first half everything became a chess match in the second half every team settled down i think the managers came into play even more uh, that meant that it was more of a chess game than a back and forth game but sala seems to be just unstoppable right now he's just clinical he's scoring almost every game i watch him play uh mohammed sala i think i don't know if he's the best player in the league right now or not but he's definitely there on the top 2 i think Oh, for sure. I I think at this point it's not debatable, right? And yeah, uh, he's been a uh, super consistent uh, season in, season out. Like uh, even like you've seen uh, Bobby Firmino go through a rough patch. You've seen Sadio Mane go through a rough patch. Even Mohamed Salah as well. Like last season, there was this uh, period where uh, you had this drought from the Liverpool front three. Yeah, but. Salah has almost always found a way to get out of these situations and he's been a uh, super consistent. I think any manager would just love to have him in his uh, team right now. Yeah. He's 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 just relentless. I wanted to conclude this Chelsea Liverpool game by asking you who was your favorite player on the pitch? Oh, that's a great question. See, you know, when whenever Chelsea plays, I always look at uh, Kanté. Uh he's just here there and everywhere. Uh, I I always I'm 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 surprised by how much stamina he has, how much running he does. how many times he's always in the right position to make an interception or win the ball i think he had he finds these days he also finds himself in uh, very good offensive positions which he still has a lot of room to improve i think uh, because it's also that the opposition knows that he's not as good in front of goal uh, so i think he he has a lot a lot to improve on the offensive side of things but man is he so good in the defensive midfield position oh he's just a treat to watch That was my answer, Gautam. So you stole my answer, and uh, it's very interesting because he even had this crazy through ball that he puts in. I mean, this is uh, yes. uh, this is with the related to the offense you spoke about. So he had, this, so he was all over the park, and he literally dominated. What's very interesting is Frank Lampard, while he was a Chelsea coach, spoke about you know Angolo Kante, and apparently he plays a match. and the training sessions with the same intensity which is super surprising uh, to listen because typically uh, training sessions are much more easy that's at least how i think folks take it but 
yeah he's a beast in the midfield and uh, he's a delight to watch yeah when i said he has a lot to do in the offensive side of things i think i meant he he should shoot more i think for sure. he's, he's a really good passer for now i think he's improved on that front quite a bit absolutely and with that i briefly wanted to put in a word about arsenal uh, man city because i think uh, that's the game that yeah. uh, helped city <laughs> take this 10 point lead wasn't it gotham oh man uh, arsenal were firmly in control i thought they had the better game they were the better side classic arsenal right they give up a goal in the 93rd minute and that's what happens and city just come up, just stole it just it was a daylight robbery three points yeah and uh, there was also this penalty incident with martin odegaard especially after yeah. uh, bernardo silva scored his penalty there are questions about that decision as well uh, i don't know i saw the replay i felt it was tough to make a call could because yeah. the keeper did get some of a little bit of the ball but then there was a stretched leg so anyway it's just my heart cried out for arsenal like it's uh, they played surprisingly well actually i didn't expect them to put on a fight like that because i felt they dominated a large part of the game and uh, bakayo saka is again uh, a very interesting player to watch out for and i'm pretty sure he's going to do good things coming ahead you it's 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 heartening to see when your team has intent and you know they are playing well or they they you know they seem to care unlike man united which we are going to talk about briefly who are just mediocre tepid insipid whatever you call them right now because don't get me wrong last five game last five matches they won three draw drew, drew one and they lost against bulls last week so it's not as bad as it sounds but when you watch them play it's you almost feel like they are not a cohesive unit they're just their players there are so many star players out there or so many good players out there but they don't seem to be able to perform as a team you don't see them uh, either pressing you don't see them being fast on the counter attack they don't seem to have an identity they have they've changed coaches ralf ranick he's still new he's seen as this culture setter right uh, so we'll see what happens but uh, man at this moment they just seem so uninspiring to me I don't have much to add to that apart from the fact that I think even the players look distraught I think we discussed this offline about Luke Shaw's uh, comments of he had his post match interview after Wolves and it's it's tough I think you look at our squad you look at our team the players we have we have unbelievable quality we have great quality and I think sometimes quality isn't enough I think like I said we need to bring the the intensity we need to bring you know being more aggressive you know maybe the manager can can bring some more ideas that that what he wants on on the pitch yeah you don't hear a lot of players saying that directly well i'm all for speaking uh truth so you've got to say what you got to say and that's one reason i give romel lukaku also the benefit of doubt from our previous conversation because he was just maybe being honest i wanted to ask you a brief question and let's keep this short Why do you think United is struggling? Because uh, they have the players, they have uh, they have the manager. Ole was in control for some period of time. What is changing? Like, what's going on? Is it is it a tactical problem? Is it like just eleven players not being in sync? Because I did notice, especially with Arsenal, and we'll we'll come to this uh, in the next uh, segment. Is talking about Barcelona, where you know even Xavi Hernandez and Mikel Arteta are now. putting in youngsters who are extremely passionate coming on the you know, field and uh, you know leaving everything out there so is it that uh, our united are lacking you know people who don't understand what united stands for or is it a much more complicated problem 
No, I think it's the problem is that people are banking on what United stood for all these years and saying, hey, "Look, we are Manchester United, and we are this, we are that, and let's go out there and win, be aggressive." Right? That's what uh, that was. What uh, Ali's mantra was all about. He was like, "We are United. We'll, we're just going to win. We're just going to go all out. Just keep attacking, and we will find a way to win." That is it. But these days, you see a lot of teams. in this professional world especially you need an identity you need a style of play you look at man city they have a style of play uh, which is pass 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 short passes short passes you see jurgen klopp the gegen press right you see mikel arteta arteta who comes from the same school as pep does with tiki taka style um uh, so you need some kind of an identity to to really forge some wins because there are no it's not like the old days where we just have a top 3 or a top 4 if if the players don't have the manager's trust then it's pretty much everybody for himself right which i think is happening right now yeah i broadly agree with you and you've made some really good examples i just wanted to add uh, two more one was and uh, antonio conte who's at yeah. tottenham and you can now see uh his team now playing the conte way you know much more exactly. fitter much uh, training harder and it shows on the uh, ground and the other example uh, which at this point might not be the best example is also thomas tuchel's chelsea because uh, they were really brilliant at the back they didn't score much but they had uh, you know a non leaky defense absolutely and now now that they're leaking you can see them uh, actually going down but it was a system that he had working so i think i agree with you that you know uh, it has to come down from the manager and the coach to have system you cannot have 11 brilliant uh, players uh, just step on the field and see what happens i mean that's that's at least not how modern football works anymore 100% agree with you there uh, it's it's a different time we're living and everybody is getting ahead of the game so it's it's the gone of those days where you're just banking on the club's legacy and saying hey yeah, we can do it because we're man united because everybody is good man for sure and uh, that also brings us to i want to touch briefly upon we have not discussed this but there is a transfer market saga going on so there's a lot of uh, you know buzz and rumor mills uh, yeah, spinning really hard so uh, one thing we know for sure is that ferran torres is now signed by barcelona and yeah. uh, he was a player at man city 21 year old i whom i regard as a very good player but uh, my two cents are i think we overpaid for him uh, i think the overall deal comes to 65 million especially given the crisis we are in i don't know where they are finding the money and uh, that segues to the other point of la liga and my team barcelona and uh, how we are suffering as i like to put it because uh, uh, we had a covid outbreak before the game against mallorca and yeah. our team was basically a joke i think uh, that went out but it was reassuring nevertheless because i think javi spoke about it as well like and typical of all footballing leagues la liga refused to cancel the games so they had to play with what uh, what they had and we had 10 players who were out with covid and a couple of additional injuries as well so it was good to see youngsters step in and uh, snatch one point luke de jong scored the one goal for barcelona to send us through and tostegan made a crazy last minute save and i think that secured us three points so now we look ahead to the next game because uh, just keep hoping and keep pushing 
Yeah, I mean, uh, COVID cases everywhere, and former Barcelona player Lionel Messi also tested positive recently. Aniket, so uh, kind of. So yeah, I mean, we spoke, about, we we talked about this at length last time. Just the impact of COVID across the sp- across sporting leagues all across uh, the world. So uh, do actually listen to our uh, previous episode, and if you haven't, uh, when we spoke about just the impact that COVID outbreaks have had, and all of these uh, sporting leagues. Um, by the way speaking of the transfer market um, newcastle under the new uh, management or the new middle east ownership uh, j- just i think signed trippier from atletico so that's a decent signing i think they got him for like 12 million or something which is a bargain i think so we'll see i big things are coming for newcastle a uh, lot of money coming in to st james's park so we'll see what happens i mean it's also a now or never kind of situation right because they are in the relegation battle and it would be a tough year if you get relegated because uh, coming back is never easy even though you know newcastle have all the funds at their disposal right now yeah it'll be interesting to see how newcastle head from here because this this half of the year is going to be very interesting for them yeah indeed uh, we spoke about covid and the impact it has had uh, speaking of covid uh, let's switch gears to tennis aniket because the australian open is around the corner and about starts on the 17th of january so uh, we spoke about uh, novak djokovic and him possibly not playing the australian open because uh, we don't know if he has taken the vaccine or not yet which means that to me he hasn't taken the vaccine because he hasn't made it public uh, but looks like the australian open and the organizers finally gave him an exemption to play the australian open i think he tweeted out and said he's uh, ready to fly to australia Uh, because he got the exemption from the uh, Australian Open uh, organizers apparently uh, the in the report that i read uh, he was cleared to play in the Australian Open by two independent panel of medical experts um, so i have, i don't know what questions were asked but i'm assuming, i'm assuming he was asked questions about uh, would you be open to quarantining and all of that stuff so uh, I don't know what he what what went into what exactly went into the exemption process but it looks like he's going to play in the Australian Open. So how do you feel about that, Gautam? I'm just curious. I I guess if if you are not vaccinated or if you are uh, not disclosing or making it public that you are you, that you are vaccinated or not, uh you have to go through certain process, right? You have to quarantine for X number of days that a normal vac- fully vaccinated player might not have to do. So it comes down to what the organizers say uh, I, i usually lean on the organizers because they do their due diligence with the medical experts if it if they have cleared him to play so be it that's where i stand yeah i mean like i agree with you i think they are at the ground are the best to make the decision and it's also good to see we'll have the nine time australian open winner coming back for his uh, maybe 10th uh, so yeah. Yeah. let's see it's it's interesting from just from a tennis fans point of view to see Novak Djokovic uh, in the Australian Open so we'll find out i think uh, time will tell how this uh, basically spirals out and i'm not sure i i couldn't read at least i didn't find anything that said he's going to be quarantining for 10 days so i'm not sure no how that's, i don't think so how that's going to work out but we will try and keep a tab on this to see and update our listeners next time Yeah, I'm saying he probably has to operate with a different set of rules than the fully vaccinated players, that's all. Uh, For sure. I, I mean, I think that's the least they have to do. I mean, uh, if you're letting someone come in, I think that's the least that uh, they follow more stringent rules. 
So yeah. yeah. And speaking of comebacks, uh, Aniket, Naomi Osaka is also making a return to the Australian Open, or just to tennis action after four months. Um, she, remember last time she crashed out of Wimb- Wimbledon, I believe. Even US uh, Open, right? So even US Open, she did not participate. She said she was not going to participate in it. So she wanted some kind of a, a mental break as well as a physical break, I think. So and the Olympics. So it, it was, I think, yeah. three first out of the Olympics where the, yes. it was like. it's a lot of it ex- was expected of her cuz she was in japan correct so all of this happened so she wanted a mental break so we'll see what happens in the australian open because i think she's a really talented player and we will have uh, one of our subscribers joining us uh, once the australian open concludes so we are really looking forward to having him on to discuss all of this and much more in tennis i'm excited cuz he knows his tennis so it'll be fun discussion just to chat with him so yeah. looking forward to that With that being said, uh we can now go on to India's favorite game, which is cricket. So, Gautam, do you want to update us with what's happening in the cricketing world? So, I think right now I know there's a lot of cricketing. There are at least three I think yeah, there are three series going on right now in uh in tandem. But I think biggest news by far is uh coming from New Zealand where Bangladesh is playing uh, test series in uh, New Zealand. and they actually won convincingly there it is finds the gap and bangladesh have finally conquered the world test champions and now have their first ever test victory over new zealand home or away it's taken 16 attempts against new zealand but historic ground has now been broken for bangladesh to come out and then win as convincingly as they did uh, and just to give some context New Zealand made 328 in the first innings and Bangladesh came back and made 458 and then uh, in the second innings when New Zealand batted Ibadat Hossain uh is a decent medium fast seam bowler Raniket he's probably best to play in New Zealand because that the pitches really suit him he got 6 for 46 and they skittled New Zealand out for 169 and they ended up I think the target was set to about 40 or something and they ended up winning it quite convincingly so 17 game unbeaten streak came to an end so it's not wrong to say that they dismantled the world test champions in their home ground right and oh, yeah. obviously this is the first of the series i think it's a three match series gotham yeah yeah and this is the first so we, it'll be nice to see what happens but like you, i mean you said everything that i wanted to say so so yeah i just wanted to point that out at the top because that is some huge news for bangladesh because bangladesh is has been around for quite some time now and they've been they they are really really passionate uh, bunch of uh, people uh, out in bangladesh they have really uh, almost a cult like following with cricket there uh, so for them to win away from home is a huge huge result for them um, so that that's that but have you been following any of the ashes aniket because even if you're not following i've i've been following the ash i think i watched the first two test matches for the most part because it was a, d- a very convenient time for us in india england are struggling they're 3-0 down they've already lost the ashes the fourth test is on right now they have uh, just a crisis of uh, confidence right now they've lost literally all their games convincingly but questions are being asked about the coach questions are being asked about the captain looks like everybody's going to stay put for now uh, because you know how ashes is seen as this big be all end all of all kinds of cricket in england or australia i don't know why uh but yeah i i believe after this some heads are going to roll uh, most likely the coach is going to go i think but yeah man and also at at 
add this to the fact that England are again ravaged ravaged by COVID. They have all of their, uh, I believe, all of their coaching management out except for one one guy, Graham Thorpe. Uh, so <laughs> it's just an awful situation to be in. Yeah, and just to update our listeners with what's happening, I think the first test was won by Australia with nine wickets. The second yeah. bit two seventy five runs. And the third one by innings and 14 runs. So it just gets better and better for Australia or like worse and worse for England. And obviously uh, in this current uh, fourth test, uh, Australia are 126 for three and England are yet to bat, right? And it's day one, session three. And it's also being played down under, right? It's being played in Australia. Correct. So England is visiting Australia. So it's going to be tough, yeah? I mean, questions have to be answered. Uh, We'll see what happens. It's interesting that Gary Kirsten came out, he wrote an article and said that he, he, if given a chance, he wants to coach the English side, which you don't often see people do. He's kind of openly uh, pitching for uh, the coaching job for news, for, for England, which is kind of interesting, for, for at least the test side. So we'll see. <laughs> I don't, I've, I've never seen this happen before, especially it's very uncharacteristic of Gary Kirsten, but I guess he needs some employment somewhere. So... He seems to be an ideal candidate, if you ask me, because he has the track record. Yeah, he's just putting it out there uh, in the universe to see how it works yeah. out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's a powerful way. <laughs> yeah, so, but I think but, we should come to uh, in India taking on South Africa in South Africa. Uh, second test is on now, but we won't talk about the second uh, test match. But uh, first test uh, recently concluded. Aniket, I don't know if you caught any of the action or not. But man, again, I, we spoke about over the over the episodes about how bowling wins you test matches and how India probably has not probably has the best bowling side that they've ever had in its in their history and they are coming through literally every time man they're just they're just relentless the batting seems to be very sketchy for the most part except for the openers the middle order is just fragile Kohli's out of form Pujar is out of form Rahane is out of form uh, but still it doesn't matter because there is just Pit Bumrah and Mohammad Shami calling the shots. I think that basically summarizes what happened in the first test, right? Because we, I, I did watch the last two days, uh, and I remember I think we went in in the last day requiring six wickets to actually win the game, and our bowlers uh, did a good job to get it to us. I, I remember Ravijan and Ashwin getting the last two to actually yes. win the game for us, and I think that those were his first wickets of this tournament, right? So correct. Uh, yeah, and the bowlers have done well, which is very interesting because I felt I wanted to add this. It's too early, but uh, you didn't add Shardul Thakur in your uh, <laughs> list of. They call uh, him Lord Thakur. Lord Thakur. All right, but he's put in a performance maybe that deserves uh, that title. I don't know. It's too early to say again. I'm, I'm always apprehensive about talking about a game that's going on. Because uh, things can change very quickly in sport. And I think that's one thing we've learned, uh, you know, early on in this podcast is that you don't make predictions, yeah. right? So, yeah. but it was just to give context to the listeners again, India won the first test, uh, I would say, pretty comfortably. Yeah. Uh, would you agree with that, Gautam? Oh, yeah. They won by 113 runs. Uh, South Africa never had any chance. They never got past 200 in both of their innings. Right. So, with that being said, the second one, it seemed India was a little in a topsy-turvy kind of a situation uh, until, you know, uh, Shardul Thakur came on and pulled on the 7 for 61, if I'm yeah. right. 
and that was a great seven wicket spell that he did because what's happened now is that india is batting uh with 85 for two that's where it stands i think the game starts sometime now so we will not be reporting what yeah, happens that is the end of day two that you just said yeah exactly 85 for two and you we did speak briefly about chateshwar pujara who seemed to come on in a very aggressive way for after yes. after the fall of mayank agarwal i believe so uh and mayank agarwal was let out uh with an lbw that was he's trying to leave a ball that was coming right in for the wickets so that was a yeah i don't know what to say but yeah uh, pujara pujara's career as well as rahane's career is hanging by a thread right now i think they've been given a quite a long rope uh rahane got out uh, to a first first ball duck in the first innings of the second test um pujara has also uh, fallen way short now pujara as you said has come out and is playing his shots uh prem panikar who's a really good follow on twitter if you don't uh, follow him uh, has pointed out how when pujara plays his shots is actually better than his natural self which is to keep blocking and tire the bowlers out but we'll uh, see what happens because their backs are definitely against the wall because there are people like vihari there are people like shreyas iyer waiting in the wings uh, so it's it's they've already been given such a long rope i think they are this is their uh, last hurrah if they don't uh perform so uh this this is pretty much it aniket because remember ayer uh, shreyas ayer played against new zealand at home uh, a few months ago and he made a century uh so there are quality players waiting in the wings for them so time is running out for both pujar and rahane and i think it is a uh, time we i don't know what the right word is reshuffle or even relook at our batting lineup because it's been a constant thread of uh, disappointment uh, how the uh, batsmen are or batters are playing and right. uh, what is interesting is our bowlers are I, it's it's an opinion i mean and it it i think to some degree it's backed by facts is the bowlers are actually pulling us out of this uh, situation time and again so yes uh, well it is what it is and let's hope our team does well yeah i think uh, with if, if if india were not winning as many games pujar and rahane would have been dropped way like way back because they are winning i think they were able to they were they are able to afford to give them more chances which i think is fair because both of them are have been good servants for the game but yeah man time is running out you you can only at the top level if you are not performing it's pretty cutthroat right so we'll see if uh, pujar and rahane can make some runs in the second innings i wanted your thoughts on kehl rahul's captaincy i don't see any huge difference because it's just been half a test match so far uh, it's pretty when you're bowling it's pretty obvious who to bowl and what times what times to bowl each bowler because they already have preset plans right the captaincy usually comes in when you're making decisions like when to declare or you're making decision like if you let's say you need 300 on the final day you want to chase that down or do you make the decision to just play for the draw right so all of these things have not come to the fore yet i mean based on what i've seen so far he seems okay uh, but it is quite interesting because uh, it was all set for kohli to play that day and all of a sudden kl rahul comes out to bat comes out for the toss because uh, kohli had a back niggle so you should probably keep a close eye on that as well because rahul dravid in fact just the day before backed the captain completely and said even though he had so many distractions the the morale that he's had the camaraderie that he's had has been top uh just just been really good uh so it was kind of uh just a 
unfortunate that Kohli had to miss out with the back niggle. So he's going to play his hundredth test in Bangalore apparently uh, because he's at 98 right now. So next match is going to be his 99th, and the hundredth test is going to be at Bangalore. So we'll see if the BCCI honors him with some kind of a, a golden cap or whatever they do when players cross a hundred uh, the hundred test mark. So I will keep a close eye on that. So let's go on to something you wanted to add, Gautam. So I'll let you take this away. Uh, so I see you wanted to talk about the Bulls in NBA. So please tell us, because my recommendation today, by the way, is related to the Bulls. So okay, this probably makes me very, very excited, right, Aniket? Because of all the American sports that I follow nba is probably my favorite game right it's just it's just a wonderful sport to watch and i've been following it for quite some time now it's even more exciting for me because uh, my my favorite team chicago bulls is is sitting on top of the eastern conference let me let me go back just a little bit right now chicago bulls if throughout its history let's say chicago bulls and michael jordan go hand to hand so they won the six championships uh, jordan left in 98 and the, all of that right so after that they've had very little success right now they did the only bright spot for them is they got uh, in 2008 i believe they got derrick rose as a number one pick now he was really really good he was the mvp in one of those in one season uh, he was the youngest mvp ever or the most valuable player for the season which means that he was the best player in the league uh, they made the playoffs they went deep into the playoffs uh, they never made it to the nba finals but they're a really good team they're a contender unfortunately uh, rose derrick rose hurt himself he had an acl injury so he was out for a season he came back and had another uh, he had another big injury and he was out for another season and then things spiraled right so bulls were from that point on bulls were just above average to below average and nothing more than that that jimmy butler in the middle who was really good but then he left because he did not like the situation he was in and on top of all of this there was uh, in the front office there were these two guys called gar forman and uh, john paxson or they're called gar pax together right they made all kinds of dumb decisions the they had the ear of the owner so the owner really liked them uh, the the bulls seemed like they were all they were caring about was the bottom line they were making money they were in a big market right chicago is a huge market and they always make money uh, the the same the owner of the chicago bulls is also the owner of uh, a baseball team called the chicago white Sox. so the 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 talk was that all of the money that the bulls were making was being put into the white Sox system for them to get more players and whatnot so uh all of that happened and i think finally luck ran out and time ran out for both uh, gar foreman and john paxson and finally they were let go now there's a new guy in the front office who was uh, who was hired a couple of years ago called arturo karnushkovas i think i'm sp- uh, pronouncing his name correctly he comes in with a good reputation he's made some so he's made some smart moves um, he got some really good players he's got some really good bench players he's slowly building a roster uh, they added uh, this guy called Nikola, Nicholas uh, Vucevic. He was really good from Orlando Magic. They already have a guy called Zach Levine who's really, really good and they gave him a good contract. He's probably their best player. He's a really, really good player. They got uh, this guy called DeMar DeRozan from the San Antonio Spurs uh, who's really good. Uh, he's, who's, who's good, but we never thought he would be this good. 
I mean, he is like a level two player, right? There's a level one player, the likes of LeBron James, the likes of Giannis and all those guys, Steph Curry and all those. He's a level two player, right? He's like, there's one level 1A, 1B, and he's like 2A or 2B, right? Uh, but this season, he's been insane. Now he's been punching so much above his weight, Anike, that he's had two buzzer-beating buzzer game winners back-to-back. DeRozan to win it! Feeds DeRozan. DeRozan, pump fake for the win. Got it again! He's apparently the first, man, first uh, player to do it on back-to-back days as well. So the Chicago Bulls seem red hot right now. They've played 35 games. They're sitting top of the Eastern Conference, which is their two conferences in the NBA. They're sitting on top of the Eastern Conference with 25 wins and 12 losses. So I've been watching NBA uh, on like kind of reels, just highlights. I've not I've not caught a live game for a while now. But I look forward, like I said, once the routine sets in, once I'm awake, I know when I'm going to be awake and when I'm going to sleep, <laughs> then, then I can start uh, working towards watching uh, sports again. But no, I'm going to keep an eye out. Uh, so with that being said, Gautam, thank you for... I really liked the way you uh, spoke about this because it gave me a lot of context. Uh, it was, I think, a brief uh, run through Bulls in the last couple of years. So thank you for that. It was very insightful. I just... What, the only thing I want to add was that I want to go and watch a Bulls game this year. So hopefully I, I'm able to do it. Hopefully the Omicron keeps away, but we'll see what happens. But man, I really want to go catch a Bulls game. You are in Chicago, so I see that as a eventual thing that will happen. Yeah, so man, I'm not too worried. Yeah, hopefully for sure. We are at the end of the podcast, Aniket. Please do write to us uh, at contact at newslaundry.com or there is a link. The link uh, will be in the podcast notes where you can definitely write to us and talk to us and give us some feedback. Good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. Just we need some feedback from you. The other thing, obviously, is please do subscribe to News Laundry because when the public pays, the public is served. When corporations pay, the corporations are served. So please go to News Laundry and hit that subscribe button. There are whole lots of options for you to subscribe on a short term or a long term. We recommend that you subscribe on a long term basis. As I said, as I keep saying, Aniket and me met through the News Laundry group and here we are, right? So this is a great organization to be a part of. So please definitely catch any any of uh, our ground reports, our podcasts, our one of, this is just a one of many podcasts that we have. So please uh, go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button. So we'd like the listeners to reach out to us if they have anything particular in mind or if they have someone they want to listen to because that's another thing we've been actively... Yes. I would say actively, but that's been simmering in the back burners, Gotham, is we've always been talking about trying to get a couple of experts. We had Amit Verma. All right, let's end with some recommendations, Aniket. What do you have? We've discussed this uh, n number of times, and I want to recommend the listeners to go and check out The Last Dance. So this is the final season of uh, The Bulls with MJ, Scott Pippen, uh, Phil Jackson, and it's such a spectacular, well-produced uh series that i would recommend even i would i would i would stick a limb out and say even if you're not into basketball i think you would find this very interesting totally. so it's uh that's my recommendation for uh the listeners today how about you my recommendation is uh, uh siddharth monga's interview with ravi chandran ashwin on uh the cricketmonthly.com which is part of espn cricket info uh it just uh it's such a brilliant interview because 
Ashwin talks about how he works batsmen out and he goes into specifics as to how he worked out uh, Manas Labuschagne and when he was in Australia, how he worked out Steve Smith and what went into planning that, uh, into bowling that series, right? This is just one of many things that he spoke about. He was very, like we always keep saying, he's a tremendous uh, video blogger. So he's very candid in every interview or any, every press conference that he does. So he talks about how he was upset that Ravi Shastri made some comments about indirectly about him uh, in in the media and so on so definitely catch that out uh, it's siddharth monga's interview of ravichandran ashwin so i had seen your recommendation gautam and i i read it and one thing i found super interesting uh, is just the takeaway of how important preparation is in life in general so what we think about uh, athletes to be super talented folks who show up this only tells us more about how how important preparation is in life to be successful and ace your game so thanks for this recommendation because i had joy reading it awesome so i guess we are at that point where we are going to end this episode aniket thanks so much for joining us until next time uh, stay safe and uh, happy new year to all of our listeners all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.